This podcast is sponsored by Speaker Rocks Media, where we hand-build podcasts just like this one to create online communities for brands like yours. If you'd like to learn more, head over to speakerboxmedia.com. I think SEO really helps as a longer-term strategy, and it helps build sustainability for your sales funnel. And it helps eventually speed up your sales funnel and your sales pipeline. Welcome to the B2B Growth Hacks podcast, the show that helps entrepreneurs like you unlock opportunities for growth in business. I'm your host, Sarah Smith, and this is B2B Growth Hacks, a podcast powered by Speakerbox Media. Welcome back to another episode of B2B Growth Hacks. Today, I'm super excited for the conversation. I am speaking to one of my favorite marketers in the Houston area, Terry Hoffman. She's the CEO and founder of Marketing Refresh. Terry, welcome to B2B Growth Hacks. Thanks, Sarah. (laughs) I'm really excited to be here today. I'm super excited about the topic that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. But before we get into that, tell us a little bit about you. What do you do for fun, Terry? Oh, for fun. My favorite thing to do is to hike. So I love being outside, love being out in the outdoors, the sun, getting some exercise, that kind of thing. Just anything active. For sure. Mm -hmm. Except for now when it's like 100 degrees in Houston. (laughs) Right. We're all hating life. (laughs) Well, yeah. Now we just have to set our alarm clocks really early. Exactly. To to get that done. Mm -hmm. That is the rule. In case you're not from Texas and you don't know what it's like, if you don't get that exercise in before 7 or 8 a.m. here, it's not happening. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Yep. So you have to make it happen. So when you're not exercising, you're running an agency. That's right. Yeah. I founded Marketing Refresh 13 years ago. So I actually graduated with a marketing degree, something close to a million years ago. (laughs) No, but in 1994. And so the internet and digital marketing didn't exist yet at that point. So I really developed my skills and kind of came up in a more of a traditional marketing environment. And then as digital marketing began to emerge, I realized I've got to shift and start investing some time into building those skills. And as that happened and evolved, that led me to starting Marketing Refresh. Did you always want to run an agency or when did that transition in your career kind of come? Owning a business and running a business and having employees was never something that (laughs) I had a vision of or set out to do. I'm really happy now that that's how life has, you know, rolled out and, and evolved, but it really started out of necessity. And so I think a good story that maybe people could relate to because I, back in 2008, was working for a really cool tech startup that made RFID chips. And we had some really neat applications that had been developed and the company got funding and then the whole market crashed, mainly the housing market. But because of that, a lot of the economy and exchange rates really tanked and the funding was coming from overseas Mm. and really got cut pretty dramatically. And so that resulted in a lot of us losing our jobs. I reached out to my network and started freelancing. I was doing a lot of writing, project management, I all of a sudden had developed two or three clients that I was working with while I was hunting for another job. And I connected to really the top marketing recruiter in the whole country. Her name is Reagan Hill. People should look her up on LinkedIn and connect and become one of her 50 bajillion connections (laughs) if they want to. But she's who to know in the marketing industry if you're looking for, you know, one of the best positions. And she agreed to work with me and lined me up on several interviews. And through that process, she said, you know, I really see you as somebody who would be a great business owner. It just seems to come naturally to you. 
And I can tell you're fighting it, but I don't want to put you up for this particular job because I'm afraid you won't ultimately like it. And I was really pretty upset with her at the time because I was just ready to find a a new job and a new position and listen to her advice. And I did a lot of thinking and just personally, I did a lot of praying about it and a lot of soul searching and decided that I would listen to her and take the few clients that I had and try to develop them into more of a broader relationship. And I started to find other freelancers to partner with. And before I knew it, I had a lot of the ingredients that it would take to build an agency, and I decided to take a plunge and go for it. So it was done out of necessity because at the time I was also a single parent and was trying to, you know, just figure out how to provide the things that I wanted to be able to do for my kids and my family and, you know, just figure out the next steps in my career and how to build that. And that ended up being the result. So it it didn't happen intentionally. But once it did happen, you know, then I started to figure out strategically how to build the business and who I wanted to serve. And where I saw an opportunity was the small business market, because I just felt like there were a lot of agencies who catered to larger businesses, Fortune 500 companies. But there are so many people who do digital marketing well that were just sort of hiding behind the scenes in the freelance market. And I think they just needed to be pieced together Mm -hmm. so that small businesses could get the same level of service and same expertise that a bigger Fortune 500 company could afford to build on their own team. So that was really my vision from the beginning. Wow. Oh, gosh, there's so much there. But in any industry, whether you're trying to get financial help, legal help, marketing help, that is true. Resources are super limited for small to mid-sized businesses. So I love so much that that's kind of where this journey started for you. You mentioned that you were fighting starting an agency. Mm-hmm. What about it were you fighting? Besides the obvious that you were a parent who was trying to provide and there's, yeah. a, there's a level of risk obviously associated with starting a business. What else were you hesitant about? I think really just the unknown. It felt to me at the time like I was jumping off of the top of a cliff without a parachute on. I didn't even know how to form an LLC. I didn't know how to process payroll. Just basic essential things that I knew I'd have to figure out. So obviously you know, I realized I needed to find my own team of experts that could actually help me build a business because I knew I could manage the marketing and help to develop those strategies, but I needed to develop that other pool of resources around me of people I could trust. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like you said, necessities for a business, but you had all of the other ingredients as a marketing agency. Where did you start in marketing with your agency and how is it transitioned now? So this is going to seem funny, but it wasn't that long ago that WordPress was really just starting to emerge. Now it's so common. It's, you know, over 60% of the websites on the internet are built on WordPress. But at the time, that whole platform was really just beginning to become known and used outside of the blogging community. And people were starting to use it to build corporate websites. So that was really my agency's starting point was finding a WordPress developer who was a freelancer. I partnered with him. And he and I together would find clients who needed new websites and needed to really refresh their brand and their message and use their website as a tool to build their business. So the digital world moves so fast and so much changes that you think that was only 13 years ago that I found that starting point. WordPress, of course, existed before that, but really having it take hold in the small business community and really be utilized, that's a fairly recent phenomenon in the internet world. Nowadays, if you said that to someone, it's like, what? Everybody hasn't been using WordPress forever. (laughs) No, it's, 
it's fairly new. So that was our starting point. And then other service areas just started to grow from there because once you have a website, obviously you need more people to visit it and you need the right people and you need to tell them a story that helps pull them through the process about learning your value proposition and getting connected to your sales team. Yeah, there's several marketing tactics and strategies and essential ingredients that you're talking about here. But specifically when you're talking about a website and bringing Mm -hmm. traffic in, I know Marketing Refresh specializes in SEO, which is really the key tactic for doing that. So tell me a little bit about SEO and how Mm -hmm. it's transitioned or changed since you first started in the industry over a decade ago and to now. Yeah, I would say generally the biggest change that has taking place in the SEO market is the idea of gaming Google and figuring out tricks that you could use to really force your website to the top of the listings for certain keywords. And as their algorithm has matured and gotten more sophisticated, it's improved in its ability to be able to identify when gaming is happening versus really more credible tactics are in place and a true strategy is in place. So that's really been the biggest shift since I started the business. At first you were out there really battling against other people trying to come up with these tactics. And and I'm talking about things like put all of the keywords in white so it blends into the background of your website. And so your website is just stuffing all of these keywords. That would be one example or link farms. You know, those were all tactics that a lot of businesses used for legitimate reasons. And Google started to figure out those aren't really genuine, authentic strategies to have in place. So we had to continue to learn like these genuine strategies. And it's all about content. And I mean, an analogy that I like to use with our clients a lot is the same way that you would walk into a room and try to introduce yourself and earn your own credibility in that room of people. That's what your website has to do for you. So it has to have the right content. You have to have that thought leadership information that you're posting on a regular basis so that all of the other people that are in your ecosystem that you're doing business with find you credible. And in the real life world, that means more people would walk up to you and want to talk to you and more of the right people. So that's ultimately what we're doing for our clients. Through Google, we're trying to make more visibility and more credibility for their website to show up in search rankings. Sure. So for those listening who don't or aren't aware, might be new to building a marketing strategy for your small business, search engine optimization is what we're talking about. Terry, walk us through when you're looking to initially implement some type of search engine optimization strategy where Mm -hmm. you start or where you recommend that people start and then how you go about figuring out whether what you're doing is working or not. Yeah, there's a lot there in that question. So where we start is looking at their current website. And we're not just looking at the SEO and the technical information that's on the back end of the website and how the website was built. We're also looking at the branding. Is the user experience modern? Is there a simple and clear navigation menu? Is the message clear as you scroll from the top to the bottom of the homepage? Is it really clear to understand what that company offers, what the value proposition is? Because if it's not clear to me as a person, it's probably not going to be clear to Google. And Google's function, their main job is to figure out based on what someone searches for, what's the highest quality and fastest piece of content that Google can connect that searcher with, right? So they want to show that result as fast and as high quality as possible. And why is that important? Why is that important to Google? And why is it important for you to show up as a business there? 
that's where people spend their time. You know, it's connecting with people who are searching online, looking for information. Google is the main hub for doing that. It's important to Google because it's important to that algorithm to serve high quality, fast results. And so we want to make sure that the website has good content. It's presented in a clear and understandable way, and that it's also built on a technical platform that makes it easy for Google to sort of read the back end and make sure that Google thoroughly understands what the company does and what it wants to be known for. So there's telling the user, but there's also telling Google and understanding what they expect your website to be able to do in order to serve it up in search results. Yeah, so the technical side of your website is really built for Google. Google to understand what it is you do, what you're offering. And the front end of your website is really used to attract your customer or to tell other people what you do. That's right. That's a great way to put it. And when we first start working with the business, we're looking at both of those parts because just having it serve either the end user or Google isn't really helping you accomplish what you need to in today's market. You have to be able to cater to both. If you cater to Google, you will end up also serving your end user with the right information. And so we tend as SEOs or digital marketing agencies to get really caught up in our own vocabulary and really kind of nerding out over what Google needs. But it's because we understand how important that is to what the user actually needs. That is ultimately what we care about for our clients is getting the user what they need, getting them connected with the right users and the right prospects that they can do business with. But we know by serving Google as the conduit, it'll get them that result. Yeah, something that I I never really thought about prior to looking into SEO for my own agency was the fact that really, you know, why would Google care about this? And it's because they're an authoritative website as well. They want to serve up the best content. So essentially, they're kind of looking at you. They're kind of giving you a little bit of a background check to see if you're legitimate. That's exactly right. So making sure that Google has a very easy time scanning all of the content, all of the pages, And putting their own story together and storing it in their algorithm, like, okay, this is what Marketing Refresh wants to be known for. We've got them saved. Now when somebody searches for digital marketing agency in Houston, we know to go to Marketing Refresh's website for that content. Yeah, that becomes your front door to new leads, which in turn leads to hopefully sales calls and revenue. That's right. That's the goal of this. That that is the goal. And I think people really underestimate how... The level of complexity in the Google software algorithm, it is incredibly robust and deep. There are more than 200 different pieces of criteria that the algorithm is constantly assessing about your website in order to serve it up. So those aren't just things that we say as SEOs to encourage you to blog more. Those are the realities. Those are the facts. And there are proven methods that you can follow to help your website continue to improve rankings. So as you're trying to figure out, and you mentioned that you'd worked for a startup and just smaller businesses in general, you're doing a lot of changing and transitioning during these periods. So when you're applying an SEO strategy, how do you approach the experimentation phase of an evolving business at such a young stage? Right. So you've got to first make sure you understand what your customers are looking for, right? And I wouldn't do any experimenting until you've done some homework to determine that. There are long processes you can go through that would give you more a more robust understanding, but at a minimum, just pick up the phone and call three of your customers and ask them, what were your pain points? What were the things you were struggling with? What triggered you to make a decision? 
when you got to that point, how did you go about finding us? What was the solution that you were searching for? You can gather some basic information and use that as a starting point. And you can use tools, our agency and most agencies subscribe to a set of software tools that would allow you to plug in a sample set of keywords and then generate a much more robust list that you could look at. That information intake would then lead you to some topics that you could test. Like, hey, this seemed to be some a question that people were asking themselves. If we were able to answer that question on our website, that might be a campaign idea that we could test to see if it generates some traction with other people who might be struggling with the same problem. Yeah, so that definitely can go several different experimentation ways when you're starting to try to articulate how people are asking or thinking about your product and matching that with keywords that Google is helping identify as needed. Yeah, that's exactly right. And one thing that I really do think a lot of business owners may not understand or appreciate because it isn't their area, you know, it's not their area of expertise is you can control what your website shows up for in search results. There are specific steps and tactics that you can follow. And when those items are in place and you're following them consistently, you can show up for the keywords that you would like to rank for. Some of them might be harder and take more work and take more content and take more of a focus of your time, but you can earn those rankings over time. You can also pay for them by running ads that are intentionally going after certain keywords. But You know, today, if we're talking about SEO, those are earned positions that you earn because you have the appropriate content and you have it at a volume level that shows Google you deserve to be shown for those rankings in their search algorithm. So So we get past the point where we've maybe got a set of keywords that we're working, either we're working internally or with an agency towards strategic keywords. How do we know as business owners or marketing professionals, if those are working, what type of data is important to collect or look at when you're trying to figure out if your tactics are working, your SEO strategy, essentially? So digital marketers love data. And we love talking about all kinds of different impressions and click-through rates and conversion rates and cost per lead and all of these different data points. Those are all important. But for our clients, I really split them into two major categories. So you have leading indicators and you have lagging indicators. And as marketers, we're way more interested in the leading indicators. What are the metrics that we're tracking each week and each month that are leading us to believe leads are going to come in? Business owners care about revenue first yeah, (laughs) and lead second. And especially if they have a sales organization, whether it's one person or 10 people that are split up by regions or a hundred people across the country, they have to serve those salespeople through their digital marketing program to get them leads. And then that earns them revenue over time. So we care about that as well. But if we don't look at the things like how many impressions they're getting, how many keywords their website ranks for, which keywords their website ranks for, are they on page one, how many people each month are searching for those keywords, how many website visits is that resulting in. If we're not tracking those data points, then we don't know if that's ever going to lead to a lead and have the connection between website traffic and a lead. So I think when we're working with business owners, we do hear a lot of frustration from them that, you know, I don't want to just see a report that shows me website visits or page views. I want to see how many leads we're getting. Absolutely. What is the point of any of this? Unless you're getting revenue or leads out of it. If we can't track that and show you how what we're doing is connecting to that, then you should definitely be questioning who you're working with. 
Yeah, definitely could say we've hit frustrating points at one time or another with trying to figure out one how we got the customers <laughs> we did, what tactics worked essentially, and which ones didn't. So it seems a little redundant or simple to say, but you have to track what you're doing. Yes. Otherwise, you have no idea where your leads are coming from. Yeah. So on the marketing tactic and marketing strategy side as an agency, how do you, for example, you got a lead at the end result. How do you go work backwards to actually attribute this one lead to a specific visit or specific mm -hmm. campaign or interaction? How do you guys recommend going about that or some basic steps that people right. could implement? Well, take all of the digital platforms out of the picture for a second. The most important thing that has to happen is clear communication between the sales team and the marketing team. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. <laughs> Those two groups have to communicate, right? Because marketing is there to support the sales team and generate leads and create awareness and create demand. But it's a process. So you don't just start out the first month or even the first six months and expect to turn a ship in a big different direction unless you're getting really good input and feedback between the sales and marketing team. You might put a test program in place and a campaign in place, have some leads coming through. I'll explain how that's tracked digitally, but in the real world, the salesperson who's getting that lead has to say, yeah, I did get that call and it was terrible. They weren't qualified and here's why they weren't qualified. Guess what? The marketing team then can say, okay, great insight. Now I know where my message was off. I should have explained that better on the landing page so the right information was there so that the wrong unqualified prospect won't fill out the form again, right? Mm. We want qualified prospects. We want fewer of the right people and we don't want to waste the salesperson's time with an unqualified lead or even a spam lead as much as we possibly can. So that communication is really important, but you can actually implement a lot of tools from Google between Google Analytics Google Tag Manager and a lot of tracking codes that help you track through from a blog post being published on the website all the way through to a CRM system, exactly what someone searched, what page they visited, how long they spent on that page, and then seeing them through to filling out a form on the website. You can track all of that information. And it's great because then you can build an ROI model and say, okay, last month we got 10 leads, eight of them came from this one campaign, we know we spent this amount of time and money on the campaign. So we know the lead cost us X per lead. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it helps you create better content that connects with your customers. But also, I love that what you're saying really helps what your agency and what other digital marketing agencies should be able to do mm -hmm. is equip the business owner or leaders with information that helps them make better strategic decisions at a higher level. Absolutely. I'm going to really put in a plug for the whole Houston market. Houston is very underappreciated for the quality and quantity of digital marketing agencies that are here. There are so many really great ones. I happen to think obviously my team is really strong, not because of me, because I think I've just been really fortunate and good at hiring people who really know what they're doing and can do that for all of our clients. But there are so many good agencies in Houston. People think they have to go outside of this market to find that talent, but it is here. There are many good agencies who know how to do this. 
Yeah, for sure. And agencies that specialize, like for example, we are a podcast agency. Mm -hmm. You're a digital marketing agency that specializes in SEO and pay-per-click advertising. And so there's so many niches underneath marketing that you really can find great specialists here in Houston. So second that for sure. Yeah, exactly. The other item is podcasting is great content for your SEO program. I mean, So blogging is a very traditional and still isn't a very effective way to build authority for your website, but podcasting is also very effective, especially if you have a complex offering and have multiple stakeholders who are part of the decision-making process. Like if you're selling software or you're selling something that maybe is solving a problem that people didn't realize your software could solve then you need a platform to educate your market about why you started and why you exist. And a podcast is an unbelievable way to build that library of resources and content and also fully supports your SEO program. For sure. Once you get down to all the pieces of micro content that you can create from one audio video podcast, and then looking at the titling, the keyword input, you can really, really structure a great strategy around it that just continues to pay really because the content can be reused, refined, and kind of to what we were talking about when you're going through those experimentation phases of trying to figure out what works, you have content that you can use to create more micro content from once you figure out which content actually answers those questions that people are looking for on Google. So Obviously, I second that strategy. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so one of the things that you mentioned, you said you should really question the agency you're working for if you're not getting certain information. Tell me a little bit about some of the warning signs of having an agency yeah. that maybe you need to look at switching from. Yeah, I can definitely go into that. I think often the problem is even bigger than that. I think that in the traditional marketing realm where I started my career, It was really common to have a marketing manager who might be a great project manager or writer or designer, in addition to just being a good brand manager for that particular company. But digital marketing created a whole other set of skills that were needed. And so not only do we often start working with companies who have been with a poor implementer of a digital marketing strategy, but they may also be working with a freelancer or an individual and then expecting that person to be able to do so many different types of skills that they don't necessarily have a poorly skilled person. They're just expecting a football to be a baseball, (laughs) you know, so let the football be a football or let the hammer be a hammer and add a wrench. It's extremely difficult to find a person who has the diversity and depth of skills that are needed. And so we often find companies who are working with a freelancer and they're really sort of being judged unfairly to implement something that is just beyond what their skill set is capable of doing. And they need to find an agency who can fill in the gaps or they're with an agency that maybe understands a lot of the theory involved, but isn't implementing it or tracking it and then reporting and discussing it in a way that's helpful and productive. And so if you don't have a regular action. I think it's really actually pretty good to get bad news from your agency. Sometimes, you know, they should be recommending and trying things that they may come back and say that really didn't pan out the way that we discussed it with you. We had made this recommendation based on certain data that didn't work. Here's how we would recommend adjusting it. 
or here's a different route we could take with it. But being able to work with somebody who is truly partnering with you and is able to be transparent and honest and not worrying about (laughs) saving their neck over helping you grow your business, I think is really important. That's a big warning sign to me. Of course, we don't want to give our clients bad news, but if we have to, we're perfectly willing to do that because it's the only way to really grow a relationship. And if you're really doing marketing well, you are trying things that you're not 100% sure will work, but you have a lot of data to support it could work. But then where the rubber meets the road is we're selling to people, you know, and you don't always know how people are going to react. And so you have to adjust. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, one of the things that always peeves me as a business owner is if I go to a specific specialty, whether that be like a financial person, a lawyer, and I'm looking for information that I don't have and they've gatekept some of that information from me in order to sway me one way or I don't feel like there's an authentic or transparent relationship and I'm really needing that information to make what I'm hoping would be strategic decisions that lead to revenue. Right. Yeah. And you should get recommendations that are based on data and some type of proven track record, as opposed to here's something we think, and here's what our intuition is telling us. There should be interviews with clients, data from their current website, data from competitor websites and other research that's been pulled together that is backing a strategy and backing a budget and a reason behind the recommendation. That doesn't always mean it's going to work, but if you're lacking that and you're lacking transparency in the conversation, that's a big, huge red flag. Yeah. Yeah, definitely been there, (laughs) done that. Not the best. So we're all about growth hacks on this show, right? What's some of the common growth hacks or something that you've seen work very well in your experience when it comes to applying a content strategy or SEO? Yeah. So I would say a really simple one is case studies from your clients. So if you have a client who is willing to talk about their experience, it's really great if it's quantitative, if they can say, this has been the impact and here's how we've measured it. We've gotten X amount of whatever they're trying to generate those kind of case studies and testimonials. And especially when you're starting out and you might have one or two or five, you know, just a handful of clients, getting them to really advocate for you is a great way to try to spread the word. That can be through social media, that can be through blog posts, that can be videos, that can be through a podcast experience that you're using to build credibility in your website because it's also going to help you build credibility with your audience. For sure. How do you create a great case study? Like, so if if you were looking to hire a marketer, what kind of case study would you be looking for that agency to have? They helped grow my revenue by X percent. We added on new locations. We were able to roll out a new product successfully. They generated X percent higher amount of leads for my sales team. That's what I would care about as a business owner. Yeah. You know how they got me there through more website visits, through a podcast, whatever the strategy is wouldn't be as important to me unless it meant a bigger time commitment for me or, you know, something that required resources that I don't have readily available and meant I had to make other changes. I'm like, 
are you going to make me money or not? (laughs) Are you going to make me money? And then how much money is it going to cost me? Those are important things that I need to know Mm -hmm. outside of the budget that we already have allocated. So all of this sounds great. It sounds great. I create a great SEO strategy. I get on the front page of Google. I get leads. I have all this amazing content that makes me authoritative. Why do people object to doing this if the information is readily available? What are some of the common reasons why people fail at this, refuse to do it, or simply stray from it? Yeah, I would say the answer here is pretty consistent amongst companies and CEOs that we talk to. So, I mean, a CEO's biggest enemy is time. You know, they have a limited amount of time. And so their own time commitment or the time commitment of their team, who's probably pulled in multiple directions, is the number one biggest concern. And just having them understand what we're asking of them from a time commitment standpoint, we get a lot of pushback on that. And so we have to talk that through and we have to figure out what's reasonable. And they might not be at the right time in their company development or they might have other priorities that are going to take more of their time. And so you have to find somebody who's ready and can put the required amount of time in. And and it's usually way less than what they might think <laughs> if your work, that's another going back to an earlier question. That's another way to see if you're working with a company who really is catered to you because they should be able to answer that question. Mm. They should very quickly be able to tell you what the time commitment would look like to make it successful. A second big piece of pushback is what I call the bad boyfriend experience. <laughs> <laughs> so they've worked with another agency or they've had a freelancer or they've had an internal marketing person or even a combination of those things that has gone very poorly. Yes. Yeah. They have cold feet, understandably. And so there's frequently times when we start working with the client and we when we realize like, okay, we've got to kind of coach them through that bad experience and help them understand how we're going to handle things differently. Sometimes they might even realize like they played into having that experience go poorly and they're trying to rectify that in the relationship with us. But I think that all comes back to transparency. The more open they can be with us about why they think it failed and what they owned in it and what they think that previous resource owned, then we can talk through whether or not we can help them make it successful. So the third thing is just them believing that an agency, a marketing copywriter or a marketing team would be able to really understand not only their vocabulary, but really understand their market and understand the impact of what they do. And so you can't as a marketer just say, oh, trust me, I got this. You know, (laughs) you have to you have to prove that to them and you better have a process that you can explain to the customer about how you're going to learn that. We accept that we will never know a client's business as well as they will, which is why we need their time and we need their direction and input and direction. But you have to invest time as an agency to learn that business and learn that industry. Something that I do sometimes get a little bit annoyed with is, and this is really common, this happens in every industry. The customer, the buyer that we talk to wants to know, well, have you done the marketing for another competitor of ours before? Have you worked with a company like ours before? Mm -hmm. And actually like there's pros and cons to how we answer that question. (laughs) Sure. Because if we have, then my first question would actually be, why didn't it work with them Yeah. then, right? Or are you still working with them? And then why would you want to take us on as one of their competitors? So like sometimes I'm thinking, why would you have wanted me to work with one of your competitors? That would actually be maybe not a great situation. What you really should care about is, am I able to learn 
what you do, what your value proposition is. And then as a marketer, my whole job is to understand people and how they make decisions. So if I can't do that part, I probably shouldn't be in marketing at all. Right. And my team needs to understand how to find the data and personal drivers of behaviors for your market by talking to you and engaging and going through a set process that helps us gather that information. Those are the big three pieces of pushback that we hear and they're all valid, right? And you know, you're going to find the right partner if someone can communicate with you about those concerns and then help you feel more confident that they can help you overcome those concerns. And if you don't feel that way, I don't think you should start. This is another thing I say to people is you have to spend money on digital marketing. Obviously it's an investment, not only of time, but of money. And you're spending money in this place when you could be spending it in a different category of your operations. You could be hiring another person. You could be taking a vacation instead, right? You could be paying yourself a bonus or taking a draw on that money as the owner. So it's an intentional choice to invest in marketing. And I think you want to have your actions behind that financial and you you really have to be bought in and ready to take it on or you probably should go do something else with that money. But in today's times, if you want to build an audience and create awareness for your brand, you have to get into people's phone and into their computer. And the only way you're going to do that is through digital marketing. Yeah. Yeah. Through digital content, through content creation. Absolutely. So what's one of the other key components when you're looking to uh, implement an SEO strategy that's important? Yeah. So my answer here might surprise you a little bit because I think it's ironic. I really think it's just about consistency and sticking to it and, you know, not giving up too early. And so a general rule of thumb is you have to try it for six months before you can really expect to see results. I think businesses who are looking for faster results than that, you shouldn't not do an SEO strategy, but you need to make sure you've got an ad strategy in place to begin if you need to generate some quick traction or you need to find a really important industry event that you can get to and meet some of your customers in person. I think SEO really helps as a longer term strategy and it helps build sustainability for your sales funnel. And it helps eventually speed up your sales funnel and your sales pipeline. Yeah, yeah. but you've got to be consistent. But you have to be consistent and you've got to stick to it and you have to kind of trust in the method and not give up too early. And also just frequency. If the recommendation is you need to blog eight times a month or do four podcasts a month or add a new landing page and add a certain amount of content to your website, it may feel really laborious and you may even feel like you're repeating yourself several times, but you have to just go back to the theory that you're trying to teach Google who you are. Mm -hmm. And so the same conversations you try to have in person and as much as you know you're talking to your audience throughout the week, that conversation has to happen on your website and you have to show Google through your website that you're an authority. And so sticking with it and being consistent, it's kind of a boring answer, but it's sort of like the person in baseball that takes a lot of walks and just keeps getting on base or keeps hitting singles. You don't have to be a home run hitter with your marketing strategy. You just have to be consistent. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I obviously in podcasting, that's super important. But I think something that other business owners who we work with and companies overlook as well is something you were talking about earlier, which is the time commitment and not understanding that there's agencies who specialize in these things specifically, whether it be SEO, pay-per-click advertising, podcasting that can help lift 
the load off of having to do that consistently to help you get the results you're looking for. So one of the things you said is overestimating or underestimating the amount of time that this takes sometimes. Mm -hmm. That's right. So blogging, for example, is something I've, you know, mentioned several times because that does take a time commitment and it takes a certain amount of product or service expertise or industry expertise. And so we have an information gathering process And to do that at scale, we plan out three months of content in advance. We identify who the subject matter expert is for each one of those topics. We make sure we have a really streamlined process for gathering that information. And then we write. And then we have a review cycle with the client. But you have to have a working relationship with a a person or an agency who understands how to do that at scale to make the time efficient so that your time needed and the frequency of your time needed is minimized and streamlined. So you have to get the quality of the direction, but minimize how much time it takes to get that direction and review and approval. That's something you should be communicating about. So if it's not going efficiently and you've spent a few months trying to make it happen, you should revisit what the process is and how to improve upon it. Because you can't substitute, like the agency you pick is not gonna know your business as well as you. You have to be involved but you shouldn't be spending, you know, more than, I I think per blog, if somebody is spending more than 15 minutes, that's too much. That's too much time. It's crazy to think that, that you could get the process down that to 15 minutes. I mean, most business owners, like we said, and both of our agencies, I think that is an objection is time. But when you get an agency who's used to doing this at scale, they've become very operationally efficient on their end. Therefore, they should be able to pass that operational efficiency down to you. It's absolutely exactly right. Yeah. I mean, the amount of time to to write it and what we would have to invest is going to be more than that. But the business owner should not have to spend or whoever the subject matter expert is should not have to spend more time than that. And I, I think there's also a conversation about expectations. Like a blog is not a white paper or a technical document about that should be an exhaustive understanding of that particular topic. <laughs> sure. It's supposed to hit on a certain point and, you know, it should be in the range of 600 to a thousand words somewhere in there. It could be longer depending on what you're trying to rank for, but just as a general rule of thumb, you should not be generating content that goes into an exhaustive explanation about that topic. It should just hit on one point. Sure. I mean, love all of those tips. Hopefully by now you have a paper and pen somewhere and you guys are (laughs) writing some of this stuff down. Any favorite tools that you can recommend when it comes to SEO that you love to use? You mentioned Google Analytics and some of the Google Suite tools. What else? Yeah. I mean, I think the main one that we use is SEMrush or SEMrush. And I'm pretty sure any SEO or digital marketer who's listening would be nodding their head along. (laughs) That's sort of the industry standard, Screaming Frog. There are a lot of WordPress plugins that we subscribe to. Rank Math Pro is a really important one. One thing that the digital marketing realm and the SEL realm is not short on is tools. There's always more you can subscribe to. And then there are all sorts of different like Moz and different authority. There are three major authority ranking tools and having those built in as plugins on your toolbar are really important. But those are probably the big ones that we use the most frequently to get the data that we need to make decisions. Yeah. Awesome. We could, I mean, all of those tools for sure. I'm nodding my head on, on some of them, but we could really go forever talking about (laughs) SEO because it's such a big kind of broad concept and it's changed so much. Mm -hmm. I mean, from the beginning of probably when you started your career in marketing to now, but some of the basic tried and true things are 
the basic tried and true things are talking about the things you want to be known for. Yeah. So it's blogging, adding new content pages to your website. Once you have a library of blogs, you can start organizing them into categories or having cornerstone pages that collect that all together and put it into one spot. Case studies, I had also mentioned earlier, videos are another great SEO tool. Podcasting is another great SEO tool. So I really think that there is always a desire as digital marketers to go out there and look for the next little cool trick, but voice search is huge. And if you're following the different channels that I'm talking about, blogging and podcasting and all these things, and you set it up correctly on an optimized website, you're going to show up even using audio search or voice search. Any platform is going to find your content if you just keep making that content available to your audience. Educate, educate, educate. So that's nothing new. Like anybody who's an expert at SEO would listen to really this entire podcast and say like, Terry didn't teach us some crazy new thing that we should be trying. But I think that is it. Like, don't try to reinvent the wheel. It already exists. Use the wheel. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Thanks so much for your honesty and authenticity and just kind of explaining this kind of really broad, technical, kind of scary thing. Honestly, if I'm honest for lots of business owners who are maybe looking into the future, I mean, we're heading into a recession. It's a very kind of leery time. And so Mm -hmm. things like these tactics, these tools, super important for people to hear about. Terry, thanks so much for sharing this information today. I know it does seem basic, but honestly, for a lot of small to mid-sized businesses, it is new information and it's super important to think about, especially when we're heading into trying times like a recession. So thanks so much for your honesty and authenticity and sharing. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me too. And before we go, I just want people to know how they can connect with you or how they can find you for more information on this topic or if they're interested in an SEO agency. Yeah. So our website is marketingrefresh.com. If they want to connect with me personally, I'm Terry Hoffman on LinkedIn and that would be great. I invite connections and would love to talk. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to know how to get involved and share your story, head over to our website at b2bgrowthhacks.com. Also, while you're there, subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss the latest conversations happening here on B2B Growth Hacks. This podcast is sponsored by Speakerbox Media, where we hand-build podcasts just like this one to create online communities for brands like yours. If you'd like to learn more, head over to speakerboxmedia.com.